Meanwhile, back in the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, born into a world that doesn't understand them. First issue. Second, second. I'm doing it all out of thing. I don't know it anymore. Talking. It is Wednesday, March the 9th, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, not Bobby Shortle, uh, a.k.a. Stephanie Cook, and I am joined on Skype by Mr. Bob Ryer. Good evening. And Mr. Steve Steve Say. Hello. (laughs) I don't know what I was trying to actually say there for a second. It's your bird to bird. Welcome to Talking Comics. (laughs) um bobby's fired take two uh and we we are running amok it's just the three of us on the show this week um so we're we're gonna talk some comics and some other cool things uh we're gonna be answering some listener questions that you guys sent in uh pretty last minute we asked today aka tuesday aka international women's day yeah. Um, yes. I, I wrote one thing about International Women's Day today and received a response that said, is it International Women's Day or Anti-Men Day? Oh, God. <laughs> but we we won't get into that. You We're know what gonna... International Women's Day is? It's every other day. It's so it's people true. need to calm down. But it is true. There, there's some questions pertaining to some cool um, lady women's uh day things but did you guys hear about some cool news pertaining to lumberjanes and gotham academy oh, yeah. I did. yeah so for anyone who didn't hear it was announced today that boom studios is going to be doing a crossover with dc comics and the worlds of gotham academy and lumberjanes will be coming together nice yeah. I, perfect perfect pairing I know, right? I can't imagine a better mix-up than these guys coming together. I want to see... I, I don't know how much they announced. I kind of just casually saw um, that it was happening. But it's going to be a mini-series. Mm-hmm. It's like six issues. Um, and it's like mixing two of the greatest like young readers' books together. I'm mm-hmm. so stoked. Bob... You love both of these things. Yes. What do you and think? with the Gotham Academy in the midst of retrenching, I was a little concerned with all the yearbook stuff, though they've been fun. It's just not the same. Mm-hmm. And so this gives me a whole lot of new hope that there'll be another a new influx of readers to that book and keep it going solidly along because it needs to continue. Gotham Academy does. Mm-hmm. And vice versa. You know, yes. we obviously haven't been talking about Lumberjanes as much as it gets a little bit further um, into its series. So, you know, it's good for both of these companies to look past their, well, company shenanigans and do something that's really good for their readers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Boom Studios has been doing such great work. They don't need the same sales numbers because they are Boom. They're more involved in okay, what's going to work, what's great for creators and readers, and you can see them really 
focusing on the, all their various lines that are in, in so many for so many readers of so many ages and tastes. It's just a great little company. But DC, it's you know Warner's bottom line. Let's sell fifty thousand copies. And if you don't, it's a disappointment, and we cancel a whole runs of books. Yeah. And so let's let's boost this up. Let's buy extra copies of this and not variant covers, people. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, we've got uh, so again, it's a six-part series. So, uh, China China uh, Clugston Flores and artist Rosemary uh, Valero O'Connell will be um, the team for this book. Uh, I'm super stoked, Steve. Yeah. What are what are yes. your feelings and emotions regarding this? <laughs> What well, is your What is your heart of hearts? My heart is My heart is a flutter with uh, with this news. I mean, just looking Good, at the because cover. I would make you walk the plank. I am running a tight a tight ship, Steve. Can we just do two hours of pirate metaphors, please? <laughs> yeah, <Arr>. yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. There's no Patreon live stream, but like, if you heard us just before, there there was um, some boat metaphoring happening. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm excited though. I love I love you know both properties. I haven't been I haven't been reading Lumberjanes for a while. Although I did take advantage of the Lumberjanes comicsology sale that went on a couple weeks ago, so I hope to catch up soon. But as far as like tone and and adventure and stuff like that, I can't imagine what they're going to get up to or even where. Like, how are they going to come together? Is it going to be at the school? Is it going to be on a field trip? I kind of feel uh, like it's the promo art leads me to believe that they're going into the woods. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But how are they going to explain that these two these two worlds exist within the same space? That's kind of what I'm wondering. Like, is it going to be in continuity or or just a, a miniseries? I, I don't think it's going to be in continuity. You can't really do in continuity when you're doing a crossover series. But I, uh, I feel like cool. I feel like you are definitely taking this a bit too seriously. Um, <laughs> it, it's a young adult series meant to draw in young adult readers. Continuity doesn't really have anything to do with it. I don't know that I would use the word seriously. I'm just trying to have fun with it. <laughs> there you go. Serious fun. Exactly. For, fun, ser- for serious. The promo art looks amazing, too. It does. Um, but, yeah, we also got, like, jumping into other cool things that happened. The... Uh, first full-length Ghostbusters trailer that dropped just after we recorded last week. Mm-hmm. That looks really cool. Did both of you see it? Yes. And... In passing. Didn't see the entire thing. Looks sensational. Of course, there are already comments that blah, 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 blah. So there be, they should be ignored. I, Any I negative already... comments should be ignored. Um, Just as a quick sidebar here, um. Keep in mind that we all are recording via Skype for this show, and um, just just forgive us the quality as, you know, happened when we were all kind of snowed in, had snowstorms happening, and we had to record via Skype. We'll try and clean this up as best as possible, but um, it's it's all basically via computer phones, as Oma would say. Um, so uh, forgive us this quality, and I hope that our antics will more than make up for it. Steve. Yes. I, Ghostbusters trailer? Yeah, did you love it? I kind of did. I kind of did. I mean, <laughs> you kind of did? No, I did. Okay, I, okay. I have I have a few concerns, but I just yesterday I caught a YouTube video of somebody that was actually at a press event 
uh, for a screening of the trailer that kind of got uh, a bit of insider information as to some of the stuff happening in the trailer. And in my be like in my concerns, they kind of abated it a, uh, a little bit by dropping a couple of uh, fun Easter eggs about some of the plot elements that are happening. But as far as the trailer goes, I think it looks like a lot of fun. Like that's really all I'm looking to get out of this movie is just just have a good time. I'm not trying to hold it up to the original. I'm not trying to, you know, it's it's new recruits. It's a new era. Um, there's a mistake in the trailer at the very beginning um, when they're introducing you to everybody. But I'm I'm just going to assume that they, that they're aware of it. Um, it looks cool. I I don't know how the humor is going to go. I don't know if this is going to be a family film. I don't know if it's going to be a straight up like bridesmaids comedy, but I mean, I'm excited for it. I think it's really cool. I, I like that. They're, you know, trying to pay homage to the old stuff, but they're bringing enough new to the table to, to make it interesting. And, um, and I really like the design for the ghosts. I think they're, uh, I think they're a lot of fun and uh, I'm excited to see it. Very cool. Yeah. That's take. <laughs> That's a good take. I look. I oh, go ahead, Steph. I'm sorry. Oh no, go ahead. You're fine. No, I just I've seen, like I had big reactions the day that it came out because I saw so many negative reactions to it, and it doesn't seem like they've won anybody over, uh, in the in the past couple of days. I just I think people need to give it a chance and maybe not, uh, judge the entire movie based on just one trailer. So. I don't know. That's I didn't the- see any angry comments about it. I saw like only positivity. Really? Yeah. And I saw like amazing fan art from the people I follow. And so like I'm stoked. Like maybe it's just a testament to the fact that I've gotten my Twitter to a point where I don't have like negative people putting that out there. But yeah, I, I enjoyed the really positive reactions. It made me even more excited for it. Yeah. You didn't see any of like the big articles? I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Right. I don't want to know. <laughs> I just want to. I just want to be excited for it. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm. I'm stoked. So speaking of movies, Bob, you yeah. mentioned that you were going to get around to watching something that we discussed last week, very briefly. Uh, pr- yes, and not so briefly. Crimson Peak was gloriously creepy. Beautifully acted and written, one of the most amazing-looking films I've seen in the last few years. Of course, it's Guillermo del Toro, so it's going to be brilliant. But it's subtle and yet over the top at the same time, which is just a great, great juggling act. And you, in a world where there's a lot of horror movies that are all quick jumps and scares and bangs and loud noises... This is very much uh, sort of an Edgar Allan Poe or H.P. Lovecraft, just build on mood and atmosphere. Some interesting reversals. I won't say too much. Uh, some really, really well-crafted scares of, oh, what's going to happen to this character next? How did they get here? How do we get out of this sort of thing? Which is so much more effective when you walk away from it, it's a movie you'll remember 
and carry with you as opposed to, oh, that was fun. And you move on to the next in a series, you know, Friday the 13th or Halloween or, you know, those sort of things and that just run on and on and on down the same trail. This is quite different. It sent me right to watching the Roger Corman House of Usher mm-hmm. from way, way back with Vincent Price, which is also about a an interesting family in a creepy house. Did you get a chance to watch any of the special features? I watched just one, sort of the general making of. I know there are, on the DVD there are only two. I haven't gotten to the second one, which I think is about more of the design okay. of the house and things. So I know you were talking about that ahead of time. Is there a – I'm sure you got the Blu-ray. Is tons I, of extras on that one? Um, yeah. I, I only actually – I got like the digital copy, so I uh, watched my digital copy on my Apple TV. Um, but – uh, the special feature that I really, really, really enjoyed, it was like 10 minutes, but it was on the costume design. Um, and I think I talked about this before as well, but the costume design was like so incredible. And, you know, I feel like a lot of directors, they obviously oversee everything. They're like the the manager that oversees all the departments at the super, like the grocery store. You know, mm-hmm. like they're making sure that all the supervisors of the fruit section, of like the meat section, of the baked goods, they're all running smoothly and doing what they should. And the quality is like up to par, but they're not necessarily being like, oh, well, this loaf of bread, I could make it better. Let me show you. Like they're, right. they're like, you know what's up. Deal with that. And so I, I wasn't expecting Guillermo del Toro to be so super hands on with the costumes like I expected him to bring on his costume designer and to oversee but the way that the um the featurette really played it out is that he was like super heavily involved with the design and the incorporation and the house um and the costumes themselves are like sort of direct um designs based off of each other like the trim in like the hallways you know like those spiky sort of um archways in the doors mm-hmm. yep um like jessica chasson's dresses have the exact same designs on them just in like a different pattern so her dresses and the house decor like the interior design like are complete like twins Right. Um, I'll have to watch for that again. See now the reason to watch it twice. Oh my god! But this, I, I was genuinely just so like in love with everything they talked about and like the explanation of like the moths versus like the butterflies. And I don't want to spoil it for anybody. I'm I'm not spoiling it. I promise. But they go into a lot of, um, you know, this uh, symbolism behind the characters and the costumes and what those represented throughout the film so it was a really interesting featurette that gave you a lot more insight into the movie from something that you may not necessarily always um think of you may appreciate the costumes but i don't think there's always a great special feature talking about them so i was really in love with it and um the visual effects one like the ghosts are actually people in makeup like those aren't cgi ghosts they're enhanced with CGI, but they're real mm-hmm. people in like 12 hours of makeup. <laughs> and moved like it. Steve, you must have touched on that, right? Yeah, I, I did. I, movie too. Yeah, yeah. With, I, whip some ahead, stuff Bob. on us here. What was that, Bob? Whip some knowledge on us, boss. Um, 
uh, off the cuff, I don't really know what to tell you. Um, Stephanie already went through the costumes, um, the practical effects for the ghosts. Um, man, you put me on the spot, Bob. I really don't know. Maybe, maybe move on. If I think of something, I'll let you know. Okay. Sorry. Uh-huh. It's all right. I, I, the only thing I can think of is when Stephanie mentioned the, um, going back to the Ghostbusters thing about the, the practical effects and, and people in costumes that the, the ghosts that people are seeing in the, the Ghostbusters costumes are actual people in uh, LED suits that they're, that they're real people being filmed that are wearing kind of like these um, like uh, construction suit jackets with uh, blue LED lights to give them kind of this luminescence. And then it's, um, gone over digitally for like the final effects and stuff like that. But everything that you're seeing in that trailer is much like what they did in Crimson Peak, where they're just they're taking you know real um, like makeup and and hair extensions and costuming and just bringing it out and making it glow and and it's really just quite amazing what they're able to achieve even when using real people making it almost look digital that the the veil between that is so thin these days because of uh special effects sure good but, job um, yeah i don't know i i really i i love the movie as well i i watched it uh the last time i was in canada and just thought that it was absolutely gorgeous um the the house was amazing i loved the way that uh, they would walk through the house and there were patches of the roof missing. So you would have like snowflakes coming down periodically just in random rooms or uh, dead leaves falling to the ground. So creepy. And, and the isolation uh, that, that where the, where the, the manor was, was just so creepy and so beautiful. And when you, when you find out what's happening in the story, it just amplifies all the personalities of, of everyone that you run into in that movie. And it's just Guillermo del Toro is such a, is such a ridiculously talented person and such a visionary that uh, I love watching him work on camera. And he's got amazing effects teams that help him. Um, Before we get into talking about like our comics and books of the week, we had a question that sort of tied in with what we're discussing in the sense of, um, there's a new Haunted Mansion comic coming out. Uh, yeah. So Dan Sims asks, in celebration of the new Haunted Mansion comic, what's everyone's favorite Disney and or theme park ride? Oh, man. It, would it be a cop-out if I told you that it's the Haunted Mansion? Yes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, it's I totally love the not. Haunted That's Mansion totally so not. much, though. I My favorite part of the Haunted Mansion, I remember, I mean, I've been on it several times, but the very first time that I went on it when you're going through that hallway and you pass all the mirrors and they, they project a ghost sitting next to you as you're, as you're passing by. And it always, it always blew my mind that the ghost sitting next to you is the same ghost as you pass every mirror and you can look in the other mirrors and you'll see different ghosts sitting next to the people in the cars, like to the left and right of you. So somehow that projection follows you throughout all of these reflections and i just i always thought that that was fascinating and the ballroom scene when you pass the ballroom and they're all dancing with each other down below is is just gorgeous i love the haunted mansion do you have a favorite ride bob yes but it's very old-fashioned it's the cyclone at coney island old wooden roller coaster that goes about 60 miles an hour and you miss the first beam by about three inches it's scary right it's very scary and very fast and very creepy in a in a 
just danger sense. You really feel as if the whole thing could come apart at any second, which is part of its charm. Uh, Bob, have you ever been to a park called Dorney Park? No, of it, I've never been. Okay, Dorney Park has a roller coaster called the Hercules. It's an old wooden roller coaster. If you want to talk about like the grips of death and feeling <laughs> like you're just going to fly into the water at any moment, that is the best roller coaster for that. It's so good. Nice. Okay, I'll keep that one in mind. How about you, Steph? My favorite ride, like, I, I love roller coasters. Um, My all-time favorite ride, like, would be probably the Scrambler, like, just at, like, fairs and stuff. I Ooh. loved that ride so much. Like, I would go on it forever. I'm pretty sure my parents were like, oh, not again. <laughs> um, but, like, I was just like, another round, good sir. Let's do this. <laughs> my parents are just like, yeah, we'll be here. We'll we'll be. I'll here. just stay on. It's fine. I know. I'm like, I'm here. Um, uh, but yeah, like I love roller coasters. Although, like, I there's there's certain ones that I'm fine with. Like, um, in Canada, in Toronto, we had it's not Paramount's Can Paramount Canada's Wonderland anymore, but it used to be like we started like Top Gun rides and Tomb Raider stuff and all these other like really cool rides that were like themed around movies, and that was really cool. And now they're like flight simulator and tomb excavator like they're, uh. they're really awful slightly um different names but like those roller coasters are so much fun and they had an italian job one that was like amazing um Ooh. and that one was like you went in these like super fast cars and went on these like turns it was it was a lot of fun but they they have this one that basically is like one of the biggest roller coasters in the world right now i think and, like, the drop is, like, basically 90 degrees. And I remember the first, like, Ooh. couple of times I went on it. And I was just, like, getting up to the front. I'm like, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Oh, God. I'm in. This is. Oh, my God. And, like, they don't have a, a – it, it does, like, a loop. But it doesn't have a shoulder strap. Like, you're only strapped in at your, like, waist. <laughs> uh, like, there's, like, this secure thing. But it's, like, only – like at your waist and like i like the thing that firmly lets me believe that mm -hmm. i'm not going anywhere and i remember like getting in there like to the front and i'm like sitting down and i'm like going to pull the thing over my shoulders i'm like there's no thing where's the thing why is this here what's that what's in my lap why is this the only thing that's here where's my shoulder strap i don't like this i don't like this i don't like this i don't like this and like going up and i'm like holding on for dear life i'm like no 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 like stop this thing uh I survived. Spoilers. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. I love roller coasters. I just love being really secure in them. <laughs> Where do you stand on the Gravitron stuff? I, I've i done it before as a kid. I don't really enjoy it, though. It makes me sick. Me okay. too. I don't like spinning around endlessly. Yeah. No, it, it makes me like really it. sick. Um, I can't do, like, really spinny rides. Like, I, I don't have a good mm. threshold for that. <laughs> Um, my uh do you know the the, the pirate ship ride oh yeah like the, I love the pirate that. ship that i actually almost died on that thing in uh adventureland bob the long island uh <laughs> old adventure yep well you steph you're talking about like the security bars and like feeling like you're secure in these things i was with my sister's boyfriend and my sister and I made the mistake of when we were almost upside down swinging back and forth on the pirate ship that I pushed down on the safety bar and slipped out while we were going up 
And if my sister's boyfriend didn't grab the back of my neck and, like, push me down into the seat, I probably would have gone over. Oof. Yeah, I I was never quite the same after that <laughs> night. I felt like such an idiot. Oh, my God. No. Yeah. Just throw your hands in the air like you didn't care, right? Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, I felt my butt leave the seat and, like, the back of my knees hit the, uh, the like, the edge of the seat. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going over. And then I felt the back of my shirt crumple up and oh. his hands around my neck. And he was a pretty strong dude. And he just, he just was like, what do you think you're doing? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just a stupid kid. Oh How old were you? I don't know, like 11, 12. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Um, those are good answers, guys. Those are good answers. I, I still have yet to go to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. That's like my theme park. Uh, like, that's my bucket list theme park thing. Hell yeah. I want to go there so bad. Right? And they're going to throw yes. a, like, Yule Ball at some point in time, too. Which <gasps> I'm, like, so excited about. Um, oh, my but God. We are, like, so derailed. Can Can we all tell that Bobby's not here? Um, yeah. <laughs> I swear, but that, that was relevant. Somebody asked us about this. So, like, I'm just doing what yeah. you asked, hey, fans of the We're world. riffing on listener questions. It's yeah, fine. Yeah. And it tied into a comic book, so. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, I really want to go do that. I want to get a wand. I want to go do the whole Harry Potter experience. I got, I got to do it. I got to do it. Here's okay. one more question before we leave this topic. You go to the wand store. Which wand do you choose? The wand does, you don't choose the one. The wand chooses you. That is a very smart answer. Thank you. You're very welcome. <laughs> I thought that I was know. the sorting hat. <laughs> no, the sorting hat tells you who, okay. your, who your homies are. So who are your homies then? Who do you who do you feel? Are you Ravenclaw? I I think I got sorted into Hufflepuff when I did this because I I did this online um, mm-hmm. on Pottermore, but like I don't know I I don't feel like I'm Ravenclaw. I, I always get Gryffindor. Always. I I don't know I. I'm okay. The Sorting Hat knows me best, so it, <laughs> I, I believe in it. Um, as long as I'm not Slytherin, because then that Sorting Hat's garbage. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I I don't know, Bob. I think you'd be Ravenclaw. I have no idea what you're talking about. Bob so would yes, I, I agree. Ravenclaw. Yeah, we're talking about Harry Potter. Yeah, I know, but I, what this all means, I don't. That's know. That's okay. Just nod and smile, Bob. Look pretty for yeah. us. <laughs> well, that's not possible. So. <laughs> oh, oh. All right. Well, let's talk about some comics. But like, I'm going to switch up a couple of things because I I feel like it it wasn't a shared book of the week, but I think that we all discussed it, and I kind of want to kick off the conversation with it. How, how's that sound? We're going to switch things up. F Bobby's format. Let's do this. Sure. It's it's what? International Women's Day while we record. So, you know, what what more can you ask for than a comic starring Natasha Romanoff? Ah, uh, there you go. Yeah. Um, did you guys get a chance to read Black Widow? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Um, and, I mean, this is the uh, first issue came out last week from uh, Dream Team Mark Wade and Chris Somney. 
what what are your thoughts on it, guys? Bob, I'm going to start with you. Well, I liked it, but didn't love love it. Oh yeah. my god, I'm shocked. I'm genuinely shocked. Well, it it's certainly action packed. You know, frenetic pace. Lots of stuff going on. It, of course, looks as wonderful as you can imagine. It certainly would with, with Chris Samney and Matt Wilson's art. But I, I was a little let down by the last series, okay, which was absolutely beautiful to look at. Phil Noto's art was amazing. He's a big favorite of mine as well as Chris here. But in that case, the the story seemed to just meander and not really get deeply enough, quickly enough for me. Here, um, there are nearly half as many words on the creator's page as there are on the book. Yeah. And I counted 66 on the creator's page and 137 in the book. I, See, love, it. I love that you counted. Thank you. <laughs> and there, 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 there's really, it's, I, I, you hope it's not a MacGuffin. She, she's, Natasha's stolen something. Mm -hmm. And the whole mm -hmm. thing is about, I don't want to give away who's who, but someone trying to get back what she stole from somebody. It seems like um, back to sort of Natasha's double agent roots. Yes. So you're and like not sure, crazy. has she gone bad? Is she still good? Is she playing both teams here? Like what what's happening? And I thought that that was a really interesting change up from what you were saying before with the last series um, from Nathan Edmondson and Phil mm -hmm. Noto. Like, that was a lot slower. I mean, I don't think you could ever call a Black Widow book slow paced. You know, she's constantly on the move. Um, but this book, like this number one, was nonstop action. Steve, yes. what were your initial thoughts on it? Uh, my initial thoughts was that I thought it was awesome. Uh, I really, it kind of reminded me of uh, like a before title screen action sequence of, of a film. I mean, like, I, like an opening the, sequence for Bond. Yeah. You know how like there's yeah. always that huge, huge action scene at first? Yep. Okay. We well, know what it was. What it was for me was um, there's this moment where Natasha's kind of exploding out of a structure and art artfully you they, it, it pans into her face and there's this panel at the bottom where the flames from the destruction are reflected in her eyes and she's just this whole issue regardless of it being mostly a silent issue she's all business and she's all action and i just like i said it, it's so it's it moves so quickly and it's frenetic and it's cinematic and like all the the tricks that she does on the bike and everything and it's just high octane action the entire time and then it ends with this kind of like quiet resolution and I'm I'm ready to move on to the next issue getting more plot getting more dialogue from Natasha and all of those things but as far as like a breakout number one issue of this is gonna be the type of thing that you could expect from this book I thought it was awesome. I agree. I I loved the colors. I thought that Chris Somney's art was amazing, but I feel like his pages would have just been more or less not bland. Not that's not the right word for it, but um, they would have been good action-packed pages. But Matt Wilson's colors were what like made it. Mm -hmm. I adored what he did with that book and um i was tweeting about it i think on monday and just saying like whoa 
this is, Mm -hmm. you know, this is what like comics should be to me. And, you know, like Mark Wade and Chris Somney, like they were in Daredevil are co-writers here. They both write the series. Somney does the art. Matt Wilson does the uh, colors. Um, But, you know, uh, artist uh, Raza, who's, I believe, doing the covers for, uh, is it Contest of Champions? Champions and the Marvel title? Anyways, um, he he pointed out that it's basically like, for comic creators, a go-to guide of how to do a comic right. Uh, As far as, like, panels go, telling a story, um, you know, like, how to lay it out, how to get a story across in a interesting and completely unconventional kind of way um and just making an overall excellent comic like for me it felt like and chris somney is in his own you know category of his own as far as art goes but it felt like a mix of uh francesco francavilla and like david aja for me like hawkeye meets like afterlife with archie with like the colors and then yeah um like the layouts um and like specifically like those two things like it has like the palette sort of of like secret avengers or like afterlife with archie and then um the layouts like you saw in fraction and aja's hawkeye mm-hmm. um but yeah i i really loved this book and you know i what better way to kick off international women's day on talking comics than black widow i mean you don't get more badass than that. I mean, Wonder Woman's fantastic, but she's got superpowers. Natasha's doing it all with what her mama gave her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love, uh, there's this one page where Natasha kind of acts like she's giving up and then completely pulls like a very Natasha move on one of the agents that's going after her. And it's such it's such a kick in the face for this guy. Is it the, and is I don't it wanna... the kiss? I won't. Yeah, okay. yeah. Like she, she's falling and and everything, and and she pulls this almost damsel in distress panel, and it's totally false because it's Black Widow, and the way that she kind of blows him off and uses him in that moment is genius. And I, then you see a, a panel of him later where he's got the like the smooch, the lipstick mark on on his visor, and it's just it's almost like a middle finger on this guy's face. I love it. I, I loved, um, you know, I, again, she's the, the, doing something questionable right now, and you're not sure if she's still a good guy or she's gone to the dark side. Um, but uh, I love this look of admiration from one of her, one of the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents as he's trying to apprehend her. And he's like 40,000 foot fall from the sky and she makes it look like a freaking ballet. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, that kind of just completely sums up Natasha, you know, like she makes everything look like it was on purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, um, Bob, did you have any mm-hmm. additional thoughts? Like, what do you think um, worked for the book, in your opinion? Well, again, it, there is a wonderful pacing. The layouts are incredible. As I said, beautifully, beautifully done. Um, I'll need to see more of where this plot heads. If it ends up being all action or all this, then it's the other half of the Edmondson Noto series. 
I want there to be the balance that there was in Daredevil. Well, I think you're you going to get that. Well, I, I'm maybe it's just because I'm a little off kilter with Mark Wade over what's gone on with all new, all different Avengers. Someone whose work I respect and have for many, many years with that book doesn't seem to really go anywhere right now. So maybe here, moving forward, he'll recapture the Mark Wade-ness of things. Okay. And put it back into this into one character where, in, in the team format, it's coming apart a little bit. Okay. Well, I, I feel like there's definitely something there. Like, I feel like Mark Wade wouldn't be getting paid the big bucks if he's not really putting any words down there. So I feel like there's more to come, but, you know, we'll see. Um. Bob. Yes, ma'am. Speaking of, you know, ladies in comics and um, the cool things going out there, I'm just like throwing caution to the wind. I'm just rolling with my own format. Deal with it, everyone. Um, your other book of the week that you wanted to talk about was um, another leading lady. Yes, it's the new relaunch of Vampirella from Dynamite, uh, sort of overseen by Gail Simone, but here written by Kate Leth and drawn by Iman Casillos, or Casillos, I'm not sure, C-A-S-A-L-L-O-S. Anyone want some No, you're help? good, you're good. Okay. Um, so did you have history with this character? Like, are you, have you read Vampirella comics in the past? I have read Vampirella in basically every iteration she's had at every publisher, whether it was the old Warren Black and Whites, where she started more as a horror host mm-hmm. in her original. Well, her original outfit wasn't as scanty as it would get when it was over at Harris Comics, where she was basically naked. <laughs> but she which, was always which is, you know, like it's it's hard to be like it was less of a costume. <laughs> yeah, it's it was more of a shadow of a costume here okay, and there. Okay. Now, her original outfit, which had considerably more fabric, was uh, designed by Trina Robbins, amazingly enough, all the way back in the, in the 60s, and oh, written really? by yeah, Forrest Ackerman, who was the head of Famous Monsters magazine, the Monster Movie magazine. Oh, that's really cool. So, right. So her, her origin is the planet Draculon and rivers of blood and all this sort of thing. And it, it morphed as the years went on. And so she's become one of those bad girl cheesecake characters uh, and at some level of the worst order. And in this sort of new initiative at Dynamite to try to recapture some of the core of these characters and go away from their variant cheesecake cover ideas over the last few years. Read my review of Miss Fury if anyone wants to get a good laugh. <laughs> Here, we've, we've taken... The core of Vampirella, sort of hunting monsters and that sort of thing, and put it into the real horrors of Hollywood. And she has a new outfit, though she does rock the old one for a panel or two and makes a comment about how we need some classics. Her new outfit here is designed by Nicola Scott, and it's it's sort of bat-girled. In a sense, it's, it's a more functional jacket and sort of uh, more functional shoes and so on and so forth. And what she has, she takes her new home in the Hollywood Hills, and there's a break-in, which is a little mysterious, and who's taking pictures and why? Meets, goes to some fancy-schmancy parties. We get some insight to uh, 
Oh boy, this is the uh, you've read it, right, Steph? Yeah, yeah, I did. Okay, mm-hmm. so there's the the whole thing. There's a there's a woman who seems like she has one job, but she's really recruiting for something else. Mm-hmm. And let's just leave it at that. And Vampirella seems to be on the other side, and I think she will clean house eventually. She owns her world, and even in the the bad days, she always did. She had tons of agency as a character. And she, she, with this new outfit, it really cements that idea as opposed to it's no matter what was going on, that was everyone's focus. And now it's about what a great character it is and how well and sassy she's written here. Definitely in charge of what's happening. I, I really got a kick out of it. How so, about you? So I, I just want to um, ask you a couple of follow-ups before I get into it. But, you know, we talked a little bit last week about Deja Thoris and Red Sonia and uh, this comic, uh, it hadn't come out yet um, when we recorded, but you were a huge fan of Red Sonia, Gail Simone's run on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are obviously two very scantily clad women who've had very um, good and very bad pasts. Yes. So how did you feel, um, like, comparably to Gail Simone's run on it? Do you think it's a bit like... Um, they're trying to make sort of replica copies of what Gail Simone did there? Or is it just these characters being written by people who are passionate and are doing the story right? I think it's both. In that Red Sonia, even in the Marvel days, was, was more famous for Frank Thorne's chainmail bikini than any of the stories that were written either there or that Robert Howard, who had... Uh, you know, created the character all those years ago had come up with. But here, w- what Gail did was restore the idea of Sonia as master of her own destiny and life and sexuality and all the rest of it, but still gave you the warrior woman, completely brave, completely badass, willing to do what needed to get done. And it was generally in the service of something positive. Though that positive for her personally would sometimes include a night of sort of male wenching and drinking until she was completely ossified. <laughs> but she was in charge of it. Yeah. And that's what made it different. And I think what she's found so far with these books, I only glanced through Deja Thoris and it was, I don't think it was up to what I wanted. I, I may end up picking it up just to try when there's a second issue. But with. Marguerite Bennett on Red Sonia is really just continuing on with what Gail did with Sonia. And Sonia, by the way, she might occasionally on a cover sport that old outfit. She is rarely in it in the book. She's generally in something more functional. Mm -hmm. She may have parts of it on, but not the whole thing, unless she happens to be in in some pub and sitting down waiting to attract someone's interest. So it, it serves its actual function instead of being battle armor, which it wouldn't. So I think with Kate Leth and Iman Casales here, she found creators willing to take that sort of framework. What's the core? How do we strip it of what made people uneasy about trying to follow the character or think of it as something different than what she was wearing and put that into place here that now you have a character who has all the attributes from the uh, that made it special and removed the ick factor. Okay, yeah. I like it. 
I enjoyed it. I feel like I, not having, like, read a ton of her uh, previous incarnations, didn't have any kind of context outside of just knowing what the costume was like to how she'd been treated. Um, I, I thought that this issue wasn't, um, like, you know, a, a hit for me. Like, I liked it. But for me, it felt like something I would try to catch up with when the trade comes out for me. And okay. it was fun. I liked the art. Um, I, I I thought it was definitely um, a good take on the character from what I know of her. Um, but, like, I wasn't 100% sold on, like, following it uh, regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve, did you have a chance to read this? I did actually what did you think um i i actually i'm sorry i'm gonna try to lower my voice a little bit uh i share a lot of your uh thoughts about it i thought it was decent but it didn't bowl me over um i like kate leth as a writer the hellcat series has been absolutely spectacular and so like i immediately latched onto that from the very first issue and i mean i grew up with Vampirilla in a sense of that she was kind of always around my cousins, um, collected a lot of her issues as I was growing up. And I mean, in regard to the issue, I think it's cool. I do like that. She's got this sass to her, but the kind of the, um, the racier side of, of the care of the character and the comics contents is, um, it's not, it's like, it's treated with respect. Like it's, it's nicely done. It's not raunchy in any way. Um, but my, if I had one minor quibble with the the comic itself, I didn't really like a lot of the panel layouts. There's a lot of uh, pages here that are just like white blank space with uh, panels like patched here and there. And I mean, the comic does its job in telling the story, but there's just a lot of nothingness. Like there's this one page, was it 18 of 30? that it's four panels and there's all this white in the background. And I just, I don't know why it was structured this way or why they wouldn't have taken the opportunity to create like some kind of elaborate backdrop to kind of weave all the panels together. Um, just visually, I like the style. I like like the, the, the dark shadowy look of it, the Transylvanian um, mon- movie monster feel to it. And I just, I thought it was a bizarre contrast to have all of that white in the background for a number of pages it kind of offset the mood for me a little bit it's one of these things that i would probably check out in trade i just i was really hoping to have another like stellar female lead series to add to my pull list and i'm just not 100 percent convinced uh after reading this first issue yeah um it's it's definitely good i i don't have anything bad to say about it as a whole it's just one of those books that, you know, we'll discuss this a little bit more later because it constantly comes up when we do listener question shows. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things where you need to decide what's going to be on your pull list and what's not. Um, mm-hmm. And it's like just not quite there for me as well. Um, but let's not focus on the negativity. Uh, Vampirella is still a really cool series, a really iconic character, and it's being taken on by really cool people. So um, if any of that sounds up your alley, and if 
you know, cool old movie monsters sound up your alley. Um, I don't think that Stephen, my um, words on it should reflect whether you pick it up or not. You know, give it a try. It's not an expensive issue number one. It's got a couple really cool covers. I scored out and got the Tula Lote one. Mm-hmm. Um, the Chrissy Zulo one's really cool too. But, you know, whatever. Uh, that's irrelevant. <laughs> the content itself is what matters. And I think, um, you know, we should definitely um, give it a shot if you haven't yet. And uh, you guys be the judge and let us know. Um, mm-hmm. But continuing on the train, both of you know ladies um this is both from your this is from both of your lightning rounds um i'm just cheating i'm just breaking all the rules um but both uh you guys had batgirl on your list i'm gonna just say both twelve thousand times both 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 um so I, I wanted you guys to talk about why it made it onto your lightning round. Obviously, it's been around for a while now, so it's one of those books that tends not always to make it onto books of the week. But this is a couple issues into uh, the latest volume, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um. Yeah. So I wanted to hear your thoughts, Bob. Uh, why don't you start things off? Well, I. If anyone remembers, I spoke briefly about number 48, and I was a little disappointed at that point. I've been loving the series, certainly, but it seemed as if we were circling back into a storyline from before, and I was a little troubled. I went, oh, can't we move forward? I thought this was a great return to form in that it it went with that thread but split off. It created a divergence there that really kept us from going down that well-trod turf again. Lovely sense of teamwork here, reminiscent of, of great old Birds of Prey stories, as the ladies team up, Frankie and, and Dinah, to try to sort out what this evil character Fugue is trying to do, which is basically corrupt Barbara's memory so he can steal her mind entirely and s- basically sell it off to the bad guys, which I really loved. And I, seeing this, I can only hope, we'll know in a few weeks, that Perhaps this team can be at the head of the new Batgirl and Birds of Prey series. Because the way mm-hmm. this was laid out with, with uh, Stuart Fletcher and Babs Tar's artwork particularly, uh, I'd, I'd be on that one in a second. How about you, Steve? Um, well, I caught up with issues 46 through 49, uh, kind of the start of it starts off with spoiler and it goes into this whole uh, new villain and everything. And I maybe it's that I haven't waited like month in and month out to pick up a single issue and reading it kind of almost in a, in a trade format uh, or at least back to back that I enjoyed the pacing of it perhaps a bit more um, than you did. But I really, I like the deconstruction and the exploration of Barbara's mind and the, the way that it works and how valuable it is to her as a crime fighter and, and just how much, her her smarts is a part of her detective work and, and very much one of her defining features, aside from the fact that she can kick someone's ass. Um, it just focusing down on her her like her mind itself really brings a lot of the characters forward in trying to help her piece together her memories. I like the fact that she doesn't know who she can trust or even what she can trust anymore. Uh, and particularly in 
issue 49, um, I'm trying like hell to see. They don't list who does the specific pages, but the art changes up uh, a part way through the issue. In 47. Yeah, you mean, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, I... Oh, wait, no, 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 47, uh, 49. Oh, okay, sorry, carry on. Yeah, it, uh, if you're reading digitally, it starts, I think, uh, page 17 of 24, where there's this really, really just intense, cool collage of all of these former memories of her, whether they be false or true, but you get, like, a little bit of the killing joke in there. You get, um, like, carnival scenery and a graveyard at the bottom, and it... it you know, you're inside of her mind now, right? So the art has changed, the the vibe has changed, the tone has changed. Um, characters are acting unlike themselves. And this char- this villain is really trying to, in so many ways, break Barbara into giving up all of her secrets. And through, you know, her, her mind, her own steel trap of a mind, but so much more so from her friends that are on the outside of this trying to help her, like Bob had said, if this ends up being the the Birds of Prey team, it's going to be a hell of a book because all of these new personalities between Frankie and Dinah's now a part of this. Bluebird is an amazing character. And I mean, even if I haven't been totally latched on to like the villain and, and, and the main part of Barbara's story, watching everyone work together through this arc has been, I think, the most rewarding aspect of it. And like if it if it goes forward where this is going to be the team, I would be positively thrilled. Yeah, uh, you you could have a book that could have Dinah, Frankie, Bluebird, Stephanie Brown, yeah, hanging around too. Yes. So yeah, or just to me, Birds of Prey has to have Barbara Gordon. I I prefer it to be Oracle, but we have mm-hmm. in Frankie an Oracle sort of stand in that I can really, really get behind. Right. And she I don't, think, part I don't think, like, I know you don't mean it like this. I don't think she's like a stand in at all. Like she really, they do a really good job of differentiating her from oh, what no, I Oracle. Mean, I, mean, I mean, in terms of, Birds of taking prey. that role. Right. No, no, I do. I know what you mean, but oh I think God. they deliberately do like a really good job of making sure that, people don't feel like she's replacing that character. Like they deliberately go out of their way to be like, she's not Oracle. Um, but I do, oh, exactly. I know what you mean for sure. Like I'm not taking away from that. Um, who is flipping pages? I, I'm trying to find this. There's this one page okay, where well, do it, Dinah into and the mic, sassy. Or right, I when walk, when walk Dinah the plank, and Barbara arr. run into uh, black Canary fans in the, in the middle of an alleyway, I had tears in my eyes. I was laughing so hard because I, I actually, uh, on top of Batgirl, I read, uh, I caught up with Black Canary too. So that was like fresh on my mind. And to watch Dinah's embarrassment at her fame uh, had me chuckling. It's pretty yeah. good. Yeah. All right. Awesome, guys. Um, so, Bob, I know we're not, I've just thrown convention out the window. So, I, I want you to tell us the rest of your lightning round books. You've got a few more really cool things um, that you wanted to discuss here. And we already went through your books of the week. So tell us a little bit about what else you enjoyed. Sure. DC Bombshells, number 10. Uh, Marguerite Bennett uh, picks up at the, the two stories in this issue. Sometimes they're all sort of intertwined here. It's basically two. 
So she picks up the Wonder Woman story arc uh, really most beautifully. Uh, Dinah really has to rally her forces against it's the Baroness Paula von Gunther, and she has an army of the Risen Dead, the Tenebrae, which have been pretty scary. You have a, a wonderful sort of four-page finale to this battle that features a rousing speech by Diana that really comes right to the core of the character, illustrated perfectly by Laura Braga. And just as with Batgirl and me hoping for a birds of prey from that team, I want Marguerite Bennett and Laura Braga to be doing Wonder Woman when we come back from or come back into Rebirth. Because it, it shows her power and compassion at the same time. And to see this team work in the more the, the classic Wonder Woman style, Themyscira, the, those Amazons, that the outfit, the whole mess of it, I, I'm there for that. The second half of this issue is every bit as good, and it's the sort of Batwoman takes Berlin story. And there it's art by Marguerite Sauvage. So you can imagine how wonderful that looks too. There is, it's a great little spy story, intrigue, reversals, betrayals, and all set against showing the horrors of why this was a war that needed to be won, even in this alternate world. So you know, for those, and I was probably one going in, if it wasn't for Marguerite Bennett's name being attached to this, it's okay, this is a set of really gimmicky covers and they were beautiful and fun, and I wanted to see them on shot glasses and drinking glasses and playing cards and all the rest, but how do you make a series out of this? Well, you give it to Marguerite Bennett, and that's how you make a series out of this. Just amazing. I know you just caught up with it, right, Steph? Yeah, I, you're now, like, one issue ahead of me. Um, this is, like, a complete sidebar, but, like, I love that she is roommates with Noelle Stevenson, and I love that their home is called Galhalla. <laughs> <laughs> that's just... <laughs> A complete sidebar but like that is like one talented household with one freaking awesome name yeah yes yeah yeah uh, are we now they're now in california we've lost ms bennett to the west coast yeah 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 that's yeah, where yeah. all the fancy folk go where there's no water yeah. no water yes. but lots of sun yeah she, uh, marguerite was a regular at in-store appearances in in these parts and it was always great to wander in and have a chat with her uh so. so what else you got you you finished up dc bombshells 10 which i will be catching up with super duper soon and i'll be able to chat about it more with you there um, you go i have a force three speaking of Mark teamwork as we have been in some of these other books it was g willow wilson kelly thompson who will be taking over the book entirely i think two issues out and Jorge Molina and A Force is it, it was certainly the best of the Battle World, Real Weird World, Secret Wars, whatever they call that Meshuggah nonsense they were putting out before. The book is, was spectacular then, even better now. This to me and the Ultimates by Al Ewing and Kenneth Rocafort, these are Avengers books. They're about big events told through the interactions of really human characters. And here it is just so loaded with heart and humor, lots of sass, but there's teamwork and intelligence. And, and these characters are done so well. It's as if you, if you took the best moments of the solo series of She-Hulk and Dazzler and Captain Marvel and crystallized those things that made those characters work in those books, that's what they are here. 
And that's when the Avengers were done well in the old days, whether it was Stan or Roy Thomas or Steve Englehart or you name it in, in, in the glory years. That's why you read an Avengers book. You knew you were getting Cap and Iron Man and Thor and the Vision and the Scarlet Witch and Patsy Walker all done to a T. And that's what I get out of this book. And the new character Singularity just makes me want to cry. It seems like every other panel she's in. Just so, this is a wonderful creation. I mean, this book leaves me breathless. That's all I can say. Has anyone else caught up to A Force? <laughs> no, I just uh, picked I up. Oh. oh, what happened there? Ooh, I'm crying. Oh, no. You need to be reading this book. I, I am reading it, Bob. <laughs> okay. I totally just picked up um, the new issues. And I think I've decided that I'm just going to give up on the Battle World stuff. I'm just going to dive into it, Bob. I'm just going to do it. Yeah, I don't forget, care. No, read the books you like. What we tell, you know, our our folks out there in Radio Land, we need to listen to ourselves. I drop books at a, at a turn of a page sometimes, and I on all however many mini series they had, I followed creators and characters I thought would be interesting, and this one blew me away. And the new series, you can jump right in. All you needed to know here was that Singularity remembers the before. Okay. And it's why these, why she needs these people because she's trapped here and goes to them and now they're not the friends she had before. Okay. Which is really sort of touching. That's the only backstory you need to know to just dive right in and have a great time. And the other one, the original A-Force is out as a trade now. They've collected the five issues or whatever it is into a trade. So if you needed to catch up, and you should, you'd enjoy that too, and maybe even more now, knowing where it's headed. Steve, yeah. what's your opinion now that I bogarted your time? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I I don't know what else to say to it, Bob. It's so good. I'm not reading any other Avengers books because of this yeah. book. It just it gives me everything that I need from that kind of thing. It's nice to see despite their not knowing one another that they've been the the women of this team have been unified by this situation with a singularity and it's cool that kind of when when the the heat gets turned up that they're finally starting to work as a team and it's all it all comes back to singularity and her being the inspiration and the reason for this uh union of characters and uh just to have so many awesome ladies on one team, like fighting the the good fight as one. I know that sounds really corny, but it's accurate, <laughs> accurate, and and just it's just written so damn well. Like all the all the characters are so so much like what I've read before. Even if they're strangers, they're still behaving like themselves. Like there's this really huge moment from She Hulk uh, in this issue where she really kind of takes charge of the team and lets everybody know like what's what and the threat that they're facing is also quite cool as well it's just been a a fantastic book uh particularly i as much as i enjoyed the the battle world series i think that this uh incarnation of a force is perhaps much better than than the original series it feels less bogged down with other things that you have to worry yeah. about. Like the only thing you need to be concerned about with in this book is the relationships of these characters, and it's all there for you on the page. Yeah. I'm looking at the talking about one page with She-Hulk, the one page that ends with her close-up shot, just yelling, everyone shut up. 
Yeah. And there's, 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 go no. ahead. No, you go. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm flipping through it as as we're talking, and I'm just looking at so many amazing panels on here. I love the art. I've been in love with the the character design for Singularity from day one, and uh, we get to see more and more of her powers in this issue. And there's even a like a teeny tiny little panel of her holding on to Nico uh, in one of these pages that just even the way that her hair is flowing around her body, I, I love the, the, the lines and the, the, that blue like iridescence of, of her form. And she's got an entire galaxy on her skin. And it's just a, as, as far as like designing new characters for a new era of Marvel go, she she's incredibly cool looking and and she's got kind of that heart that all uh i don't i don't want to say old school marvel fans because i don't want to i don't want to draw a line in the sand between the old and the new but like when bob when you come onto the show and you talk about kind of your your evolution with marvel and your heritage and and how you've grown into these characters over the years the singularity character seems to echo a lot of your of things that you say and mm-hmm. what she's yeah it reminds me a lot of in, in one way the original appearances of the vision mm-hmm. where he was an other character you initially you weren't sure was he he was a good bad guy or a bad good guy and and changed quickly yeah. but sort of learning what human emotion was about how to interact with all these larger than life characters and he came from no emotion to emotion. Uh, singularity has boatloads of emotion. Mm-hmm. In, in some levels that there's so much that it's just brimming over and she can't quite control how she feels at any given moment. And so it's the vision reversed in a way. And it is, it is also very, very, just to say, it's so touching to watch her try to sort out why things are different and what needs to get put back so her friends can be together. And it's I would, a lovely ahead, message. No, it's just mm-hmm. a lovely message. I would love to see a team-up book of Singularity meets Silver Surfer. I think yeah. that would be amazing. We'll have to cross the Surfer into A-Force. I can see that happening. Oh, totally. I'd certainly like to see the Mike Allred version of Singularity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That'd be a good commission. Don't give, don't give away your ideas for commissions. Hold up. <laughs> you keep those to yourself. Come on. You know better. New York Comic Con is a big affair for you. You got to you got to hush hush on those. <laughs> um yeah. I I'm definitely going to hop on that A-Force bandwagon soon. Um it's so good. So obviously I we've talked other. Oh yeah, yeah. I you, I, I I was going to lead into this. Okay, go ahead. No, I, I mean, I don't have any more lead-in now. It's fine. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a, a segues. They, they lead to the destruction of um, their owners. Yeah, That's they go on fire and people fall over. <laughs> that kind of segue? Yeah, yep. They just okay. roll off cliffs. So yeah. go for it. Anyone who's, they deserve to, I should just say. <laughs> All right, so what's, what's your last book, Bob? What is it? True. True Patriot, Volume 1, all-new Canadian comic book adventures, (laughs) which finally came out in the States from Chapter House in a nice little trade paperback and very inexpensively priced at $19.95 American. And just good fun and 
it has its own nice little message because there's a uh, more of a framing sequence, though it does pop up in the middle of a little boy going to a comic store trying to find, you know, the Canadian comics. And there really aren't any except, you know, Claw Guy and a few other things. And so this is just filled with fun books that visit the Canadian comic book culture and those creators uh, as satire, as straightforward stories. And the, the list, the lineup of creators that you spoke about when this was on, where uh, Agnes Garbosa, Jay Bone, we've got Adrian Alfana, we have a brand new superhero girl story by Faith Aaron Hicks that where she's it's the League of Evil Canadian stereotypes. Yep, yep, that one's like one of my favorites. And of course, Gull Girl. <gasps> Gull Girl, <laughs> which is and at the time I talked about it. Adam Gorham was on like a few uh, smaller titles, but now he you know him as the artist of the violin. Yeah. So, but he'll never top Gull Girl. No, no. I'm sorry, Adam. Where, you peaked. You've beaked. Yeah, so, you've beaked. <laughs> beaked. You can only oh, do boy. that with Bobby's not here. <laughs> oh boy. If, look, Get it, because seagulls have beaks, guys. Yes. A, oh, no. a character whose weakness is you can throw a half-eaten sandwich on the ground. That that needs to be embraced. <laughs> that needs to be on t-shirts and, and things. I, I loved it, and thank you so much for mentioning it, Steph. So I, I, my com- collection wouldn't be complete without it. There's a second volume that will probably make its way to you, too. And it, I haven't read it yet, but it's got a second Gull Girl story, Bob. <gasps> ah! I know. Oh, oh. <laughs> I'm so excited. Like, I've never wanted to do a cosplay more in my life. Like, <laughs> I want this. Um, but yeah, I, I'm very happy you enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I very much did. It's, it's a Canadian classic now. Margaret Atwood ain't got nothing on Gull Girl. No. Um, Canadian classics. Pusha. <laughs> Come on, Gull Girl versus the Blue Noser. It's perfect. Yeah, yes, it's like seriously the most Canadian thing to ever exist. Um, and it helped but... me out because I was reading it while having my income taxes done. So really, <laughs> it, it lightened the burden. Good, good, good. That's what Canadians are meant to do. I, I think <laughs> maybe. Um, but you know, I'm just like on this lady train roller coaster of emotions i don't know none of that made sense but uh steve one of your lightning round books was miss marvel right yes yeah. do you want to tell was. us a little bit about miss marvel uh well miss marvel is up to uh some shenanigans in uh where she's at right now in her series is she's realized that being Ms. Marvel is a tough thing to do that as much as she wants to be. Oh, wait, wait, where are we in the series? What, what issues we're talking about? Yeah. <clears throat> I'm trying to, uh, bring it up. The one thing about going digital is the scrolling when either Bobby or someone else calls on me without warning. And we are at number four in her new series. Okay. Okay. Uh, Army of One is the new is the uh, new arc uh, written by G. Will Wilson, and uh, Kamala has discovered that between fighting for the Avengers, fighting for Jersey, and getting caught up, she's kind of somebody made her the face of this gentrification that's happening in Jersey City, and the people of Jersey are not happy about it, and they've kind of 
turned on Kamala, making her out to be a sellout and, and a villain of her own city. And she wants to make things right. So she discovers that her good friend uh, Bruno has been in the lab kind of tinkering with these facsimiles and, and this this technology that allows him to make kind of clones. It's like multiplicity starring Kamala Khan. Yeah. And she's decided that she's just going to make, you know, one or two of them. And, and one of them will go to class and, and be in charge of her studies. The other one will go and help out with her brother's wedding. And then she's free to go and do her crime-fighting things. Only... It's a comic book, and things don't always work out the way that you planned. And, uh, I mean, what it really boils down to me is that the the art of the series, it doesn't matter who's on this book. It is always a, a, a visual feast. I love finding all the little animals that are stashed in between uh, these panels. I love Kamala's just ridiculous expressions on her face of happiness and fear and worry and just worrying about being true to her friends while being true to her superhero team and all of these things, learning to use her powers. And much like Bob had pointed out that uh, Kamala is kind of a Spider-Man-ish character. You know, we've, we've been on the ground floor since her introduction. And there's something that I really enjoy about watching a superhero kind of come into their own and with each and every issue of this series, whether it be the old series or the new, Kamala is continuously learning how to be a better hero with each issue. But she's not afraid to make mistakes along the way and fall on her ass. And sometimes she even ends up hurting the people that she loves, but she always strives to make things better. And I just I love that the, the character is sticking to her guns. G. Will Wilson is still doing such a phenomenal job uh, establishing her in the Marvel Universe. And uh, and the book is funny. Like I, I there, there aren't a lot of comics these past couple of weeks that I've been laughing out loud at. And there's something between the attitude and art style of the Ms. Marvel series that always keeps me smiling. And like I said, I won't spoil anything, but there are. There were a few antics that happened in this uh, in this issue that that had me cracking up as I was reading, and I and I appreciate that among some of the more heavy-handed things that I've been reading lately. It's been a, a breath of fresh air uh, for me. So it's still just such a wonderful character and a wonderful series, and the the team that is in charge of this book is just doing an, a stellar job. Very nice. Issue, issue five yeah. comes out today. Indeed, it does. I have pre-ordered that issue and um, i love the, the cover so good that's awesome very nice yeah. um yes all right uh let me see here i'm I, i'm like going through my list um i'm i'm gonna you you can save we're gonna just we've unintentionally talked about lady comics all the way through this was not intentional but i'm just gonna keep that train rolling so you're gonna save that thing you were gonna talk about for next week steve Okay. Sure thing. Cool. Chip. I figured as much. I didn't mean to, but you know what? It's my show. Deal with it, everyone. And by my no, show, good. I mean this week. <laughs> um, Believe me, my thoughts on that book are not going anywhere, so it's all good. All right. Um, so I have a couple quick things to talk about. Um, and we're, I, I swear to God, this actually wasn't planned on being like, I definitely wanted to bring up International Women's Day, but it's just a really pleasant coincidence that all the books we're talking about are... Um, featuring either women creators or 
female characters. Uh, and that train keeps going with what I have to talk about as well. Um, so I don't know if you guys have been keeping up with all new Wolverine. Um, yep. I, I finally read issue number four uh, this weekend. And I think it's one of the strongest titles that's out for Marvel right now. And that does say a lot. You know, we have Thor, which is still doing really well. And uh, Miss Marvel, A-Force, um, all kinds of things, you know, that are just really um doing it for me um i love laura in this they do a little dig at some of the fanboys here where um and on one of the pages you know she uh brings up but i'm not wolverine and he's she, I, I think she's talking to um uh actually i don't she's remember talking to dr strange yes yes thank you and um i was thinking it was hank for a second but um yeah and she's just like he's like yeah but you're not replacing him you are wolverine but like you know you aren't you're a different wolverine and you're like a worthy you know version like blah 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 and like you are wolverine now and he would be proud and like all this stuff and he he she's like yeah but i don't feel like like it's right and mostly just because of like these like dudes i guess they're all just on the internet though so like whatever um mm -hmm. but there's like these like fun little jabs at you know people saying that she's not wolverine and well yeah she is the book's called wolverine guys <laughs> like i'm sorry but marvel did that not feminists um that's just the book um but the story's so good i love the characters i love this moment where dr strange is looking over the clones and kind of deciding on a personal level if they're worth redemption. And he looks at like the little one who's basically just like kind of like a Molly Hayes figure. Like she's very Molly Hayes. Yes, very um, much. And uh, from Runaways for everyone else who may not be familiar with her. But, um, you know, she's like full of wonder and she's really strong and badass, but she's innocent. Like she's just this pure form who's been... Um, brought into this world to kill and to do bad things. And as the kind of line goes on, it, it gets worse. It's like, well, this one has done some bad things, but she's not a bad person. Dot, 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 yet. <sighs> um, and then, uh, you know, it gets progressively like, oh, no, this one is not worth saving. This one is well past saving this one's a lucifer this one is lucifer's like new bff like they're like lucifer comes up to this one and is like whoa girl you done some shit um <laughs> you know and she's kind of like okay but you don't get to decide that like uh look at me and he does and he sees everything like laura's gone through and he does this she does this great thing and saying you trust me now you think i'm worth redemption now I think these women are worth the redemption that I was given. And that's just like one page. And it tells so much story and has so much heart to it, along with being this really funny story that's just well-written, the art's fantastic, and it's just so worth you checking out. Um, mm -hmm. I can't say enough good things about this. And I was really, really hesitant to... Um, you know, let this into my life, and I'm so glad I did. It's <laughs> it's so good. Um, 
and it just the quality doesn't uh, dissipate it just is consistent and great so if you haven't been checking it out I highly recommend you go back and get the previous three issues and this fourth one as well and uh, you know add it to your pull list um, mm-hmm. so just quickly we already mentioned Vampirella um, I read Spider Gwen got caught up with that and like Wolverine, this is just a really strong arc. This really should have been the kickoff to Spider-Gwen. Um, it r- really tells you the story um, and gives her more of an origin. And not like going back and being like, oh, she was bitten by a radioactive spider, but she's a girl. It tells you the backstory that we've been wondering about between her and Peter and what's going on and why she's like wanted by the police for murder and all of these other things that really I think um make the spider gwen story pop and the first volume the actual first volume had a lot more mary janes which I miss Uh, (laughs) but that being said it wasn't I don't think an overall great arc in terms of quality and this is um what I wanted Spider-Gwen to be in the first place. So, mm-hmm. um, definitely, definitely check that out if you haven't, um, already. Uh, and, uh are you looking forward to the coming Spider-Women event? Well, mini event. I, no. No, because I mean, that, that begins next month. It's it's one Wait. of the I'm never looking up forward to virtually any crossovers. <laughs> okay. um, but these this is very self-contained, and it's two issues each of Spider Gwen, Silk, and Spider Woman, all crossing into I believe it's this universe and backwards into Gwen's at some point. And there's one issue, an Alpha and Omega at each side. So. Well, I would say that I, I can't speak for anybody else's pull list, but I would bet you that these are three books that are probably on a lot of people's together, or at least two of them are. So it is the regular creators of these books all combining to tell what seems to be from the solicitations a very interesting story about particularly Gwen and Silk learning to be better heroes through their struggles as being taught by Jessica. Well, so maybe I, I will let you read it and then tell me if I should. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Since you, you, you definitely seem to be more open to it than I am. I'm just like crossover. No. Uh, well, you know how I, right. And I, you know how I feel about these I things. Do, I do. I do. A natural progression into this from uh, more creator driven, certainly than, how can we make money with this? Because these books sell pretty well, but these are not company-wide, let's change everything forever. No, this is let's tell an interesting story with three interesting characters who have a lot in common. Okay. Well, I am definitely intrigued. Um, I, I don't want to say that I'm sold on it yet, and that has nothing to do with you, Bob. You are a wonderful salesman. Um, <laughs> I'm just hesitant naturally, um, you know. I, I'm uh, not quick to trust. <laughs> and not you. I, I'm not I, quick to trust. I trust uh, Jason Latour and Dennis Hopeless. So. 
right. All right. Uh, Steph, I'm curious. Have you? Are you going to be checking out this Wednesday? Adulthood is a myth by Sarah Anderson. Oh my god, I read that like four months ago. It's like legitimately the best thing I've ever read. Um, I, I've been catching little snippets of it on Twitter here and there, and yes. I cannot wait to buy this thing. Um, it is. I, I I got an arc of it a while ago, and like I I'm really actually glad you brought it up because I the the problem with like the arc uh, advanced review copy, um, and the problem with that is sometimes they give you the review copies like way too far in advance. Like I think I talked about the Nameless City a while ago, and mm-hmm. that's like not out yet still. And oh, actually Delilah Dirk I talked about a little while ago, and the new volume of that's out today. So, Delilah Dirk, guys, that's fantastic, fantastic, fantastic webcomic turned uh, print series, like, Nimona level awesome. Um, but anyways, no. back to adulthood as a myth. Um, <laughs> it's perfect. It is, like, literally every thought an introvert could possibly have. And, like, it's some of the stuff is really specific to women. Like, so for me, it's, like, an introverted woman went into my mind, pulled out all of the thoughts that I could possibly have about literally every scenario, even things that you don't even really think you think about and put them into a comic. And I'm like, oh my God, every single one of these things is something that has gone through my mind at one point in time. Like I laughed so hard while I read this book. It was like one o'clock in the morning. My roommate's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, this is the best. <laughs> it's perfect. Um, if you've ever seen uh, Sarah C. Anderson's uh, illustrations online, uh, her stuff's she's just becoming more and more viral like with her pieces. Like every day she posts something and they go completely bonkers all over the internet. And mm-hmm. But I I read the book and I'm like, you guys know how crazy I am about digital stuff at this point because I just don't have room and I'm buying a physical copy of this. So, nice. yeah. Yeah. And like I said, also, <coughs> Lila Dirk, um, the new one is, I think, The King Shilling. Um, I'm typing. Oh, God, this is unprofessional. Love me. <laughs> um... Yeah. So, um, Delilah Dirk and the King's Shilling is out tomorrow. And Bob, you read the other Delilah Dirk, like the first volume, right? No, ma'am. Oh, I thought you did for some reason. Mm -hmm. Well, you should, because I think you would really love it. Genuinely. Um, the first one is Delilah Dirk, Dirk and the Turkish Lieutenant. Um, and these are wonderful books for I, I feel like they're all ages they might be a little bit more geared towards teen young adult but like generally i don't think there's anything in them that would prevent you from reading them to anyone so you reminded me of another thing well reminded me of a thing steve sorry it's okay yeah yeah it's what i do it's what we all do yeah um but yeah that's that's gonna do it for our comic talk um, I mean, there's well, there's, well, there's, well, oh, well, whoa, 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 what did I do? Before, before we get into, I think we're doing listener questions, I have something that is related to International Women's Day. Oh, I 
am so sorry. You take it away, Bob. You have the floor. You go. On this date, which is, we're recording on March 8th of 1880, an artist named Harry G. Peter was born. Now, for those who are in the know, there's nods and smiles. But for those who don't, Harry G. Peter, who in the 19-teens drew suffragist artwork of the struggle for women's rights to vote and rights to have jobs and all that sort of stuff, he was tapped 30 years later by Dr. William Moulton Marston to help create Wonder Woman. And Harry G. Peter drew that book and all the various newspaper strips with occasional assists here and there. There's a lot of drawing going on. But he drew that book into the 50s. So for everyone who loves Wonder Woman, it was on this date that her co-creator was born, Harry G. Peter. Very nice. I'm sorry. I did not mean to take away. You had mentioned you wanted to talk about this. And now I I feel like a real host now, though, Bob. Like, (laughs) you've... I, I've tried to carry on, and you've full-on, like, whoa, whoa, whoa it. So, like, <laughs> it's it's like I've made it. I've made it now. There you go. Um, I interrupted you, so now we're now we're unified in that. Whew. For you. Um, and not to take away from International Women's Day, but um, we also had a passing today. Um, yes. Mr. Paul Ryan. Mm-hmm. Matt um, Wood wrote a lovely piece. He did. It's up on Talking Comics today. Um, do you want to, do you have any words to say about that? Or- Absolutely. Paul, Paul Ryan, who was at both of the big two companies, also did newspaper strips, uh, was doing The Phantom for a long time. I did The Flash with Mark Wade uh, for a long run at DC, was the artist on the brilliant and underrated Squadron Supreme by Mark Grunwald, which is... For those in the know, it's The Watchmen, only it came out a year before. It's the same sort of storyline of heroes trying to, a team of superheroes, we, they're the Justice League, deciding to take over the Earth to create a utopia. So it's the right thing to do, but the wrong way to do it. And you needed a strong artist, totally immersed in the pure superhero style. And Ryan was a wonderful craftsman, great emotionalist too. His, his character had wonderful body language and, and facial expressions. But I think his greatest work, and I know Matt talked about this a lot, and I feel just as he did, he and Tom DeFacco did a long run on Fantastic Four in the 90s. And there were some wonderful, wonderful moments in there. There are some of the excesses of the 90s here and there that were, I think were forced upon the team. But we had Sue as the leader for a long time while Reed was missing. Lovely stories with Ben. Uh, nice reversals that I don't want to spoil about Johnny and his bride. Because at one point he marries Alicia Masters during that run, which is, what? Where did that happen? Ben Ben left after the Secret Wars and stuff happens. You know, friends and girlfriends and so on. But Ryan and DeFalco did a great job. And poor Ryan was one of those people where you saw his name on a book, you knew you were going to get absolute professionalism just gorgeous gorgeous work you were never taken out of it by a bad panel or a bad layout i don't think he ever had one in a in a 30 something year career so poor ryan will definitely be missed he passed at only 66 years old and that's just that's just sad so paul ryan absolute professional artist i mean i'm sure that would be a, a, a requiem that he'd be proud to have absolutely um I always know that you will eloquently 
speak on any of these amazing artists and creators that, you know, need to have um, a few good words thrown their way. Um, so I, I don't want to, you know, transition to, oh, that was a bummer. Let's talk about cool things. Um, but you will. So <laughs> but we will. Um, but again, that doesn't take away from the tragic passing. Um, but yeah, let's let's talk about, you know, some questions that you guys uh, sent in to us. So I think this one's real fun to kind of just work our way, you know, into the the general listener question dim. Uh, Simon Davies wants to know, what are the team's guilty pleasures? They can be both comics uh, and generally. And he says, I want dirt, damn it. Um, and I'm going to preface this by saying that while I totally call things guilty pleasures, I don't necessarily feel guilty for liking the things that people may make fun of me for. Because if they're things that I enjoy... Why should I feel guilty about them? But I, I totally do know what you mean. And that being said, I mean, I talked about this on The Misfits with Mara. I know it's bad. I know it's not even related to the comics at all. But like the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, the movie, like, <laughs> I like it. I'm sorry, guys. I like it. I've got one of those. <laughs> um, Bob, what about you? You you know, you love music, you love movies, you love comics. Is there anything in there that you're like a little bit more on the, you know, ooh, less excited? I, I love science fiction films of all kinds and certainly have a way too large a collection as Steve can vouch for having been here. But I love the really crummy 50s giant bug movies and terrible pictures and not even just it's 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 lovely to say and it's hip to say oh ed wood and whatever it's the ones that are worse than that and uh, on the right kind of saturday night i don't have anything new to watch i will put on the brain from planet arrows which is a giant floating brain that goes inside dogs and stuff or beginning of the end which features giant grasshoppers attacking chicago and they're Terrible, formulaic, poorly acted, terrible special effects. You're 70 minutes long and you sit with a nice glass of wine and some hors d'oeuvres and just say, I don't care that this is terrible. I'll go watch Forbidden Planet or 2001 or something, Aliens, later. But for right now, I want to see Earth versus the Spider. I want to see a movie with a giant radioactive pile of mud that attacks people. That's what I want to see. So, yeah, that I definitely... I want to see the wasp woman where, where a woman decides that she can keep herself young by injecting herself with royal jelly from a queen wasp. And she ends up with a wasp head and little claws and buzzes around and attacks people. That's what I want to see on a Saturday night. <laughs> Bob, you are just like a national treasure. Well, um, thank you. I'm not so sure about that, no, but I'll go with no. it. Um, as, a, as a complete sidebar, um, I did a special edition show with Bob last week. And if you love Bob like we love Bob, you absolutely need to listen to us attempt to do a trivia show with Mike McShane, um, who's an actor from like Wayward Pines um, and basically like all kinds of things. Doctor Who as well. But he's been in like a ton of stuff. And whose line is it anyway in Britain for yes, years and years? Yes. Yep. Um, he was supposed to do a 15 minute show with us. 
and wound up talking to Bob about like movies and trivia and just the two of them telling stories about like classic Hollywood. Like he tells a story about Mel Brooks and how he was like, the producers, a musical, that's stupid. (laughs) Like I've never heard Bob produce the noises that he produced in like excitement. Um, Like there was, there was a general, like, there genuinely a squee out of bob he was like <gasps> like th- it was a delight um and national treasure bob uh should be listened to uh, on that because it's seriously just basically the two of them with me occasionally interrupting and being <laughs> like remember that time we were supposed to do trivia and they're like shh grown-ups are talking busy. yeah <laughs> they're like shh grown-ups are talking now i'm like okay cool perfect um, Steve, you said you had a guilty pleasure all set. You were like primed and ready. Yeah. What what's you got? I love the movie Mystery Men. I don't oh, know. So sorry. Why? Why are I, you sorry? I don't know. I'm really not sorry. I'm actually not sorry for any of the things that I'm about to mention. Maybe one of them. Um, I don't know that I'm going to reveal that though, because I might, I might no, ruin myself. No, you have to. No, you, now you have uh, to. You okay, have I'll to. save it for the end because I know I'm going to get shit from you for it. Um, but Mystery Man is in the wide array of comic book movie films. That movie got stuck when I uh, worked at Babbage's or GameStop in the mall. And we were demoing the DVD, the cool new DVD features on the PS2. And it got jammed in the system. And there it was mandated that we needed to leave the system on and, you know, display the fact that this thing could play movies. So I've seen this movie upward of maybe 60 times, maybe even more in my life. And I've never tired of it. I think it's hilarious. I love the direction of it. I love the people that show up in it. I think it's funny. I it, It's just... That's one of my things. I love that movie. Um, Brace it. Other guilty pleasures for me. I love big, dumb action movies. Like the 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 dumber the better, and dumber the better movies in general. I I have a an eclectic taste in films. Um, I like a lot of good stuff. I also like a lot of really terrible stuff, uh, especially some of maybe the worst. Not the worst, but like the kids movies that you watch. And I'm not talking about the classics like Goonies or Flight of the Navigator and stuff like that. I'm talking about like Bushwhacked or Heavyweights or Rookie of the Year. All of those really bad kids movies that just churn your blood now when you listen to some of the dialogue and corny jokes that are made in them. I can't let them go. And I'm not afraid to admit that late at night when I'm trying to like set up some articles or work on stuff they make it into the regular rotation of my watching stuff all the time. Um, And by that same token, other terrible movies, the room uh, I think is, is a classic. The troll troll two is awful. If, if somebody comes up to me and tells me this movie is the worst, the first, my first reaction is I want to watch it. Um, I've always been that way. I think it came a lot from staying up at night and watching like USA up all night with Joe Bob Briggs and all those like bad sci-fi movies with the poor effects and everything. I love that stuff. Um, but I will drop a bombshell on you. And this is just for you, Steph. Do it, do it, do it, do it. 
I am 10 episodes in to Fuller House on Netflix. Um, Kimmy stole my style. That jerk. She totally has the exact same cat blouse as me. Which I feel like I, I shouldn't be that. proud of. I saw that. I saw the picture of you, the side by side photo. Yeah. I feel like I shouldn't oh be proud God. of that, but I am. Like, let's not let's let's not let's not make any bones about it, right? Like, it's bad. The the kids are especially bad. But oh my god, it's one of those things I can't I can't look away from it. I'm not like consciously watching it. Like I watch it at breakfast and I'm just kind of sitting there marveling at the the fact that it even exists and that it's doing as well as it's doing. It got picked up for a second season and I just there's something about it. I'm almost done with it. But oh man, I think I wasn't going to tell anyone that I was watching it, and now I've told however many, you know, people listen to this podcast. Good for you. Oh, man. I don't know what this is going to do. Own it. Own it. Yeah, just own it. Just own it. It's just, it's dumb fun. It's nostalgic. I I used to watch it with my sister. I don't think it's, oh, sorry. No, 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 it's fine. It's fine. I, I just, it's one of those things where I grew up with it. If they made if they made like a legit save by the bell thing, I would watch that too. Um so. I, I don't think I have like bad taste in music. Like I, I used to work in radio and music for a very long time. So but I, I worked for a variety of radio stations as well and like I love pop music. Like I love really crappy pop music too. Like I have great taste in, you know, alternative and um, rock music and stuff, but I, you know, sometimes you just gotta listen to Rihanna and Gaga and Britney and Christina. Like I, I'm so into it. Hey, um, Christina's got pipes, man. Oh man, that girl can sing. And same, same with Gaga. Like I was like, after she did that Sound of Music thing, um, for the yeah. Oscars mm-hmm. last year, I was like, whoa, girl. Like no one can ever be like, mm, she's just a pop singer. Like. She can sing. Also, if you've never seen her and Joseph Gordon-Levitt do Baby It's Cold Outside, but, like, in reverse roles. Oh, that was so good. Yeah, it's, like, for the Muppets for some weird reason, but, like, it's perfect. Um, uh, And, like, I love – I don't get really absorbed in a lot of, like, frivolous TV, but, like, How to Get Away with Murder is, like – I'm, like – so into it i'm like oh no she didn't shonda no i'm like you know like i me and my roommate watch it like she was in australia for three weeks and like i got like 600 texts because it came back on from it's like uh mid-season uh break while she was away and like i got like very accusing texts that was like did you watch how to get away with murder without me and i'm like what no 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 <laughs> No, oh. I did, um, <laughs> but like, I was like, but I I put the episodes on um, your like uh, Apple TV for you to watch when you're home, and she was like, okay, good, like we're fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's like, like I, I I've watched I I gave up after a while, but like I I've watched like Grey's Anatomy, and sometimes I just like really need to watch some like really mediocre tv yep yeah uh to you know just embrace life um but speaking of tv do any of you watch um young justice uh i did 
when it was on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I watched awesome. um, a season of it. But uh, John DeBrowa, he wanted to know if we had any thoughts on Young Justice having um, such a renewed interest as of late because of the talk of a third season coming through Netflix. Um, the first season well, was really good, I thought. we, I think we reviewed a couple episodes all together. Mm-hmm. Bob, yeah, we definitely talked about Young Justice. It got, it got brought up on a couple of listener question shows for sure. I remember they were going to bring Spoiler into the show and like they wound up with like some wonky rights and it went away um but i mean do you guys have any cool thoughts on that like are you excited would you watch more of it knowing that there's potentially another you know good comic book show out there to invest in well i think Uh, bob you want to go first sure i think he did a much better shot at Keeping to comic book continuity, which is fun, and explore new avenues for it using those characters. It might also, just for the sake of a personal frustration, sort out putting out a box set of everything that's come before in a reasonable way instead of the really fractured way they did before, where they were scattered all over the place in two episodes on a disc and buy some of these, but then they came out the whole way. They're great characters, and it was the perfect sort. We were talking before you, you were, Stephanie, about all ages things. It was a perfect all ages storyline as opposed to the Teen Titans Go is cute and all, but it's it's very much afternoon cartoons. Mm-hmm. Young Justice was both. You could look at it and say, okay, it's a younger style, so it's not threatening in the way their, their full-length animated features are now, which are mostly little grim. You can't even show them to kids. They're PG-13s, and some of them are, may even be beyond that. This was a perfect introduction to someone even as young as probably seven or eight years old to classic characters and their their young charges to bring you into the world of, you know, there are books with these characters you could read. So I, I'm all for it. I wish it wasn't Netflix. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Um, Steve? Uh, yeah. Steve. Uh, me, I mean, I, I really loved the first season of Young Justice. I thought it was some of the best cartoons that I've seen uh, probably since Batman the Animated Series. It very much carried that uh, that mantle for me when I had first watched it. Some of the stuff with Miss Martian yeah. was just spectacular. Um, the only thing that I had is that when season two began, I remember it was like, maybe I was like two weeks out or something like that, and I sat down to watch two, and season two starts off in a very bizarre place like they had they had built up such strong relationships and such a a strong through line for that first season and i felt like it like we really established everybody we really established the team and i'm so ready to watch all of the team dynamics that have been you know solidified throughout the season shine through in season two and then season two begins and it almost has like a like a different feel to it. There are, are different team members that kind of get thrown in in the in the, at the beginning, and it changes the dyna- it, t- it changed the dynamic of the show for me a little bit. And while I still enjoyed it, uh, it definitely took a couple of episodes for me to warm up to it, which felt strange to me, seeing mm-hmm. as I was so jazzed from the first that it kind of took a few steps back. Um, I'm hoping that if if and when they do a season three that they take 
take stuff from the old and, and just run with it instead of trying to establish an all new thing, especially if it's not a reboot, but it's a it's a third season or a continuation. I'm just hoping that the, those relationships are already established, that we don't have another season of building character relationships so we sure. can just get to the plot and the action. Absolutely. I agree. Yes. Um, How about you? Yeah, I mean, I'm all for it. I definitely fell off of Young Justice, but I, I enjoyed it when it was on. So, uh, and when I was watching it regularly. So, I mean, I, I'm not like over the moon that it's returning, but it's definitely something that I wouldn't mind getting back into. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, let's see what what else we got. Um, Bob, by the way, as a complete sidebar here. I totally forgot to mention that I finished reading Greg Pak's Storm. And? I really enjoyed it. I oh, I feel good. like, you know, I didn't love it in like the first couple of issues, mm-hmm. um, which is why I didn't stick with it. But I went back and finished reading um, the, is it 11 issues? Yes, an 11 issue miniseries. <laughs> um, yeah, that's put out in two volumes. And despite I, I didn't like the inconsistent art like i wish somebody had just been brought on to do it the whole way through but um bob it was really good it made me appreciate storm a lot more and specifically mohawk storm because like let's be honest there's no other storm no uh um, it was really interesting in that period not only was that coming out but so was the chris claremont todd knock nightcrawler yeah, yeah, yeah which yeah. was also beautiful and those two coming out Together, it was like being back in the 80s and reading classic X-Men characters just really told and the characters told through really great stories and with really great creators. So you should check out Nightcrawler, too. Yeah, I, oh, I Nightcrawler will. was I will. so good. I, will. I promise. Yeah. <laughs> that Nightcrawler, Wolver- Death of Wolverine issue, right, Steve? Was that uh, hard? Yes. That whole series was spectacular, but that, that Wolverine issue in particular was very, very heart-wrenching and, and wonderfully done. Um, so our, our, our pal Rep Stones, he, he gets real serious on us. Um, he, he saw our call for listener questions and, uh, he broke out one from his heart of hearts, um, (laughs) on a scale of nine to 10 specifically, how gutted are you all that Channing Tatum's Gambit movie has been put on the back burner? Uh, keep in mind, his follow-up tweet was along the lines of, guys, I need you to talk me back from the ledge. <laughs> um, so this is a real serious question. It's real serious. Steve, how yes. seriously sad yes. and upset are you about this? Oh, this is an 11 for me. Turn it up to um, 11? Turn, turn yeah, it up. this is this is some spinal tap business over here. I understand. I, you know... Um, with all of these other incredible how movies we, coming out. How will we ever know what Channing Tatum's French accent sounds like? I, His, You know, I, I really, I saw the question earlier and I tried to psych myself up for this conversation, but I just, I just don't know if I could do it. You, it's Aww. just like, it's the end of winter, it just, but it's still that dreary time of year where depression is rampant. I mean, he's been you, trying so hard. To get this movie made, <laughs> just trying so hard. I don't want to be a dick. I no, um, don't, don't. I mean, I feel yeah, like no. you know, 
the 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 options were between nine and ten. You took it to eleven. We're obviously taking this seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, look, if they can if they can pull together uh, an interesting and really and and great Gambit movie, I'm all for it. When I actually see like the project, but I just it's it's not a character that I that I've ever attached myself to in any way. I thought he was really cool in the '90s X Men cartoon. But it, I've never read anything with him in it that has made it go beyond that. Oh, I love Gambit. Like a lot of people no, do. No, I love him. And like, if this was like Gambit with a side of Rogue, like if you put Rogue in them, and not Anna Paquin Rogue, like proper Rogue. Like, let's be real here. Like both of them Cajun accents. Like, and and not necessarily like full on romance situation here, but like Gambit doing some, you know, like misdeeding. Uh, Rogue there, you know, being cheeky and awesome. I would be so into it. Oh, there's mm-hmm. so into it. Channing Tatum, not so much. That's definitely not my dream pick for Gambit. I'm like, hmm, not who I see. Um, but then I said that about Kristen Ritter and Jessica Jones. So who knows? I could be, could have been so very wrong. Bob, I mean, if, no, oh, oh, I ahead. just, I just saw a, 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 a news. Flash just came across my screen. <gasps> See, people don't know I can do this, but I can actually look at two screens at once. And the the project is back on, but it's by the team who did Catwoman. Don't lie. I'm lying. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, I was completely actually lying. you you completely <laughs> actually sold me. I was like, no, no, <laughs> shut up. You're wrong. Um, not wrong, but I didn't want to believe it. Um, I think you will eventually see a movie, and Fox doesn't have many franchises now they've decided to thankfully not go down the fantastic four road again so even if this project is on the side bar for a little while you know they, they've taken it off off the kitchen counter where it was about to cook and moved it back into the cupboard i think he's such a popular character you will see this come back again and I, just what you're saying steph i think because he had so many great moments with rogue that that's a way to read reboot that character as well and that helps sell the whole project so he's, i think that could be the way it goes he's very much like an aladdin character to me like i i really could see this being a lot of fun uh just maybe now i'm trying to them but repstones <laughs> i'm right there with you i will pull you back from that ledge like let's make yeah. this gambit thing a thing Let, let's get this back on the plate I don't yeah. know. Yeah, again, know? you look at what Marvel did in something like Guardians, where they went lighter and crazier, made a sci-fi caper movie. Mm-hmm. You know, Fox addressed that now with Deadpool. Now, here's another character that they can take another corner of their little right. portion of the cinematic universe and try something a little different. And there's, you know, we were talking about with James Gunn saying, well, what message do people learn from Deadpool? And it shouldn't be, let's make coarse, profane, R-rated superhero movies out of everything. No, let's stay true to the source material. So a capery gambit movie doing some stealing and stuff? Yeah. Yeah, the, I, they could make a lot of money with this, cast properly and written properly. Ooh, you oh. could do it. Okay, here, here, here we go, guys. Whoa, million dollar idea. Although movies make a lot more than that, so I demand more in royalties. Yeah. But, you know, gambit? And the clan of rogues. And then you have Rogue in there, too. But, like, he, he's 
you know, he's the leader of the thieves currently. Yes. So you could have him, you know, like, you know, be that sort of figurehead again and have him kind of be like this uh, thief guild master, but like throw in some witty punnery with Rogue and then bam, Rogue. Takes out a whole island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do this. Let's. Okay, that was not a that was not a good pitch. That was not a good elevator pitch. I'm working on that, and I'm coming back to it. But like Hollywood, you know, I'm onto something. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Old. Hollywood Gambit and the the. You know what? Just fuck it. I'm done. <laughs> well, I mean, look, look at it this way: if there's a if if Channing Tatum is really that uh, dedicated to playing the character, maybe we'll wind up with another Deadpool situation where. You know, it comes out of the woodwork once again with a, a renewed passion behind it, and then we end up getting an insanely cool Gambit movie down the maybe, road. Maybe, maybe he's just on like Team DC though with his uh, lady Jenna uh, Dewitt Tatum. You know, on Supergirl, he's just a DC dude. He's just like, nah, gotta support DC. My girl's over there. I want to be in Supergirl. Who's who is he related to on that show? His wife. I know you just said the name, but which who? Uh, Jimmy Olsen's girlfriend, uh, Lane. Oh, Lucy Lane. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, that's I his wife. I never knew the actress's name. Um, yep, she's in a show that I had to review about witches. Oh yes. Yep, and I admittedly wound up sort of like enjoying that show for science by the end, because um, I was just like. All right, I gotta review this. It's gonna be torturous if I don't just have fun with it. Um, But yeah, I was like weirdly, like it's one of those things that I didn't love, but like I was like weirdly invested in by the end. I was like, oh no, what? No, no, she didn't. (laughs) Um, that that's apparently my go-to for everything drama related. Oh no, she didn't, (laughs) Shonda, no. <laughs> uh, go back into the mole man. I think it was funnier. I, I I'll work on it. Okay. Um, I I I have some news to tell you actually, like related to the mole man later. We're gonna marry. <laughs> spoilers. Um, but yeah, uh, I I don't want to make this show like super long because I'm not Bobby. Um, mm-hmm. we did get a lot of questions, but um, Bob, I know you're a huge um. Audrey Hepburn fan, and uh, it is again International Women's Day. And FK Giant Woman uh, asks, in honor of International Women's Day, who, uh, apart from me, of course, she, thank you, um, are your favorite women, real or imaginary? And I, I think this is a good time to pick one of each. Um, Bob, I know well, again. It's certainly, certainly. Audrey Hepburn, because it isn't just about being a movie actress. I was reading that book you sent me. It's um, lovely. Yeah. And like, I took like photos of like 90% of the quotes in that to have with me always. Yeah. Uh, she, she, considering how her life began with a, an absent father who was a Nazi sympathizer to go with everything else, Surviving the war and the, the deprivation of that, nearly dying of, of malnutrition as the war ended. And not only and that, she, she raised money secretly to fight yes. against the efforts of the 
Nazis yeah, she, and she her did father. secret ballet performances in basements to raise uh, money for the uh, the Dutch underground because she she was ended up trapped in Holland when the Nazis came in. She her mother brought her back there because she thought it would be safer than England. And you know, three days later, the Nazis showed up too. And to raise money for these people trying to at least curtail the Nazi advance and to certainly help their own people out. Audrey did secret performances. And on the, the day that the Allies liberated uh, her town, she she nearly died. She, she They basically crawled out of a basement. They had been eating tulip bulbs to survive. And that that woman took that moment and turned it into being a UNICEF ambassador in, in the later years of her life, beyond all the things she'd done before for charities for children and everything else. And her fund still continues to do that. The Audrey Hepburn Children's Fund has raised money to put up children's hospitals. There's one over in Hackensack, New Jersey here with her name on it. And at a, uh, an event over there, I met her son, Sean Ferrer, who's just a lovely man. And so, yeah, if I'm picking a real woman who is so, so real, she is nearly imaginary. It's Audrey. And, uh, you know, she always thought she was weird looking. She was never shallow yes, and vain. Like she always thought she never for one second thought she was this great beauty to anyone. My, my neck's too long. My feet are too big. My teeth are crooked. And it's all, it's all makeup in the studio. <laughs> she is just, and that moon river. Ugh. Ugh, yeah. So good. The story, uh, the story goes that when they did a preview of that film in San Francisco, there was sitting Audrey and Henry Mancini, Blake Edwards, who is Julie Andrews' husband, uh, who directed that film, uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's. were sitting in a hotel room, looking at the the cards, the you know the reaction cards the audience hands out, and the Paramount executive stood up with full force and said. Uh, I, I don't know, a pretty good movie, but I'll tell you one thing. That that gosh darn song, he didn't say that. He said something much stronger. That song's coming out of the movie. <laughs> and Audrey stood up and went, over my dead body. She had worked very hard to have that be right. And Henry Mancini, who wrote the music, uh, Johnny Mercer wrote the lyrics, were always saying there were more than a thousand versions of Moon River recorded but never one that was as poignant or, or meant as much or was better than that original two minutes that are in that movie. I love her. Yeah. I used a quote from her in Bobby's wedding ceremony. It's, in that I think it's very important. She, she said this interview with, uh, uh, what's his name? Jeffrey Brown from NYU, the film professor. He did, he did a long one-on-one. -on -one. And she says something that, that struck me because I had always felt it but didn't know how to put words to it exactly. And that we all feel like we need to be loved and that's important. But what she found that was more important and what was missing in her life and why she yearned so desperately to have children was that she almost pathologically needed to give love to somebody else. And I'm crying talking about that. <laughs> All right. I don't no, want to make it's just you so beautiful. Yeah. Okay. All right. Sadder. We're going. All right. No, okay. I, I genuinely love 
listening to you talk, and I love listening to you talk about Audrey Hepburn. Two of my favorite things in the world. <laughs> um, what about fictional? Uh, Do you want me to come back to you? It's hard. No, it, it, it's just there are so many. I love, certainly, my favorite superheroine of all time is Susan Storm Richards. As someone who represents someone whose career went from damsel in distress through participating more in the team as the the writer and artist move forward her her career arc as a comic book heroine reflects the entire history of the women's movement in a way and you can watch as how the character was handled becoming a self-reliant powerful woman who at some point you know defeats dr doom by herself and who he feels is now the strongest member of the team or particularly when john byrne was doing it we got to that point where it was no, she's now the invisible woman, and don't you forget it. So certainly she's up there, uh, Wonder Woman, right there near the top as well for all the reasons of her creation and what she's meant to for everyone over the years. And then you get to people like Ellen Ripley or Sarah Connor from the movies who are those transformative characters who show that, yeah, woman can be an action hero too. It isn't just I can be the, the sharp-tongued one or I can be the romantic lead or I can be the damsel in distress. No, I can carry an action picture on my broad shoulders and I can kick butt with the boys just as badass as they do. So a little bit of everything on that one. Sorry I rambled. No, you ramble away. Um, okay. Steve. Yes. Let's start with real, real lady. Um, okay, I'll just, I'll keep this short. I, uh, I mean, first and foremost is always my girlfriend, Bronwyn. Uh, she's the most incredible woman that I, I know and I'm privileged to spend my time with. Uh, others, I mean, real quick, my, my mom and, uh, my sister who I have a lot of, I don't, I don't talk about this online or anything. Uh, my family's kind of going through a transformative rough time at the moment and uh attitudes are changing and uh recently my relationships that were already strong with particularly my mother and my sister have become even stronger uh more so on on the side of me and my sister who have kind of just always been on opposite side of the tracks our whole lives very very different people uh we've really really come together and have have formed like a tried and true brother sister unit for this thing going on and uh taking a step back to notice it and appreciate the fact that it's happening and that it, it's the first time that i feel really good about our relationship in a while um i thought about that a lot today when i i woke up and i saw that it was uh you know what today was and uh i mean even just last night i spent an hour with her and it was probably one of the best hours that we've had in years so i'm very thankful for that uh, and other real life person would be my friend Rachel. Uh, her name is Rachel Fannin. She's actually a musician who has been in several projects, including uh, Sleepy Sun, and she just formed a new band called Bomb. Uh, she's a woman who is of extraordinary talent that seems to constantly run into roadblocks in the music industry, whether it be people stealing her material, whether it be managers screwing her out of deals and money. Uh, she is constantly, constantly uh, coming back. She's doing modeling now. She has a brand new band. She plays every instrument under the sun. And I just, I love her, like, indomitable spirit. She's constantly 
rising from the ashes and creating new things with her talents. And I really, really admire that. And like I said, just a few days ago, she formed a brand new band with with all new people. And I can't wait to hear it. Uh, and I'm super proud of her. Uh, in regard to fictional characters, I, I talked about her earlier and in talking about her, if I'm not going to go into one of my usual Barbara Thorson from I Kill Giants rants, I'll spare you. But Singularity, we were talking about her earlier and, and in talking about that and realizing kind of what that character means to me, um, she means a lot more to me than I thought before I opened up my mouth about an hour and a half ago. Wow. And uh, I really, really love that character. I mean, I could go to some of my other go-tos like Barbara Gordon and and Captain Marvel and stuff, but in wanting to give credit to someone new, I got to give it up for for Singularity. You know, reading those A-Force comics, that character embodies so much of what I value, not particularly in women, but like women in comics. And when you when you see her her speech bubbles and these the way that she's trying to bring this team together and showing them that even if they don't know each other, even if they don't get along, they're all heroes and they're all fighting for the same reason and there's no reason why they can't fight together. And I love that even in her name, Singularity, that she's unifying people and creating something good. And I think it's she's one of the best kept secret characters uh, in comics these days. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to her this this uh, Women's Day. Awesome. Yeah. Um. What about you, Steph? For me, I think uh, I, I was kind of really trying to think of somebody like one person to narrow this down to, and lately I just kind of really find myself drawn to Amy Poehler. Um, <laughs> like. Yeah, you laugh because she's hilarious. But oh, like, she's amazing. And I love her and Tina Fey, but she's also this incredible powerhouse of a woman that started uh, the YouTube channel and website Smart Girls at the Party. Um, she encourages women to be smart and to embrace that side of them and to embrace these qualities that the rest of the world says we you know just haven't been good enough for you know like we're like sidekicks at a party or something and she's like no f that she's like f that noise be scientists be doctors be lawyers be teachers be whatever you want because the world is yours like just embrace it her book yes please was hands down one of my favorite books um, that came out last year. Uh, I feel like it came out in 2014, like at the end of 2014, maybe. Anyways, um, but yeah, like she is just perfect. And, you know, she's had a lot of like weight fluctuations and that's not a reflection of her, but like she never took that time away from being on screen. Like she'd been pregnant. She, you know, like still did Parks and Rec and like a big thing that she wanted um, when she did Parks and Rec was for them to not have makeup touch-ups all the time and to show people in like a real kind of state throughout their day and like people don't always get makeup touch-ups and like do all these things and I just think that she's this incredible person and that is all really really shallow examples but you know like her one of the quotes she says is like 
I love bossy women. I could be around them all day. To me, bossy isn't a pejorative term at all. It means somebody's passionate and engaged and ambitious and doesn't mind leading. You know, like she gives all of this amazing advice when she's doing interviews and just is like this no nonsense badass woman. Um so yeah, I think she's probably up there with like I love Tina Fey, but like she's sort of taken over my like love for Tina Fey. I'm sorry, Tina. I'm sorry. She's um, listening right now. But on that side of things, one of my fictional favorite women, Liz Lemon. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. See? Yeah. Covered book. Yeah. Like, I relate <sighs> to Liz Lemon, like, a thousand times more than I should. Um, I think everyone finds relatability um, in those characters. And, you know, that's a-okay. Um, I, I'm okay with sharing Liz Lemon with the world. Me sharing it. <laughs> Good for you. It's nice to do that. Um, but yeah, no, like I, I know that wasn't uh, comics related, but you know, you guys all know I love Wonder Woman and Steph Brown and all that. So you know, let's let's talk about some other mediums. And Liz yeah. Lemon is like my person. Yep. All right. Um, so I think, I think we're gonna, we have a few more questions, but, um, we've been recording for a little while now and I'm not Bobby and I need to edit. Um, so, uh, we're going to wrap things up. Um, I think we've addressed, Bob, do you have any more whoa, whoa, whoa's for me here? No, 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 not me. No. Okay. Okay. Just checking. I'm just checking. Um, but yeah, so that's going to do it for this show that I really kind of jokingly was like International Women's Day, but really I think turned into a great discussion. Thank you for yeah. joining yeah. me for that, fellas. Um, mm-hmm. We'll try and save your questions that we didn't get to for next time because there's a lot of really good ones. There's a couple um, that are addressing things like um, digital comics and how many comics we read per month and such. And while I want to address these, we have discussed these pretty recently. Um, I think we did um, a big listener show in January, maybe the beginning of February. Um, it's the only other one I think we've done this year. And that one goes through a lot of um, those things that we didn't discuss tonight. Oh, okay. Um, so while I don't want to not answer those things for you... Um, I'm, I'm going to direct you to those podcasts for now, and um, we will m- maybe discuss all of that in like a one big sort of panel um, podcast about digital comics in the future. Um, but that's going to do it for uh, this week on the show. Uh, so make sure you are joining us on the forums if you want to get in on the discussion. That's at talkingcomics.freeforums.net. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash talking comics. Uh, same with the Twitter. Uh, we are at talking comics. Um, all of the stuff is on all of the stuff. All of the things are on our website at talkingcomicbooks.com. We have amazing, amazing, amazing content up there every single day from writers who just want to share their amazing voices um hafsa 
Um, my love, I cannot say your last name. I'm so sorry. The next time I see you, you're going to have to teach me your ways. Um, I'm going to try Alka Dari, Alka Dari. Um, she is like a delight and she just did this huge piece on her guide to fan fiction and her experiences with it. Uh, and Nikki Alfaro edited it. Please go read it. Um, it's wonderful. She's wonderful. Um, there's an interview with the team from Cyanide and Happiness uh, regarding their Joking Hazard Kickstarter. Uh, Matt Wood uh, wrote a really nice piece on Paul Ryan. Um, and there's that's just today. I'm just looking at the front page from today. There's an amazing piece for all you parents out there and fathers. And there's a new column that's been going up monthly called Daddy Daughter Days by uh, Joe Delapena. I love this. This is like legitimately one of my favorite things to edit um, because his stories about raising little girls are just like amazing. So, you know, there is something for everybody over at the site. Please make sure you're checking those out and commenting, you know, telling these writers what you think of their work because they, they put a lot into these pieces. So share them. Um, and let them know what you think. And hopefully those are really nice things. Um, you can find us individually on the interwebs. Um, Steve and I are on Twitter. I'm at HelloCookie. Steve? I'm at Dead underscore Anchorus. And Bob? Bob Ryer at TalkingComicBooks.com. It's an email. Mm -hmm. Old-fashioned. An old-fashioned. Um, but you're also very, very active on the forums. You are like the king of the forums. Um, okay. So if you don't want to email him... You can definitely find him there. Um, and that's going to do it for this week's show. Uh, I hope I was an okay substitute for Bobby. He isn't really well, fired in case anybody actually somehow thought that. A little <laughs> under the weather and we yeah, wish him yes, well. we do wish him well. Um, I am 100% using – this is like, you know, we haven't edited the show together yet, but I'm 100% using our theme song, Suck It, Bobby. Um <laughs> I love you, but suck it. Um, but yeah, that's going to do it. Uh, so until next time, to be continued. <laughs>